0: So the pursuit of wisdom seems like an obsession in our world today, evidenced by just the sheer number of self-help books, podcasts, retreats, TED Talks, YouTube videos. The uh, pursuit of wisdom seems like an obsession. But so much of the searching for wisdom is based on the assumption That wisdom can be found in a product. A product that can be packaged and delivered to whoever really wants it. That wisdom is found in a prize. Like if I just listen to the right podcast, I'll have the wisdom I need and know what to do. If I just make the space and time in my life and dedicate the resources to go on that, mindfulness yoga retreat in Costa Rica, (laughs) I'll have the wisdom I need. If I'll just dedicate time and money and resources to that life coach that everyone's talking about, I'll gain the wisdom I'm seeking. But the question is, in all this searching for wisdom, are we really finding it? Today we wrap up our series on the book of Proverbs, a book in the Bible that is dedicated to attaining wisdom. Eugene Peterson says this, he defines wisdom this way, wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. And today, we're going to wrap up this series by looking at the final chapter in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. This poem in Proverbs 31 can be read a number of different ways. Some are more helpful than others. Two common ways that this poem can be read are what scholars would call descriptive or prescriptive. So a descriptive reading of Proverbs 31 would be this. The poem is describing, descriptive, it is describing what we want. So, for example, the wife of noble value. And if you find this wife, in the descriptive reading, if you find this wife, you will have the dream life. You will have made it. So... When we talk about the search for wisdom going on in our world today, it kind of sounds like this descriptive reading of Proverbs 31. Like if you will just listen to the right podcast, watch the right YouTube video, if you will just hear the right sermon, if you will just get the right products, then you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. But this descriptive reading... Proverbs 31 may not be the most helpful way to read the poem. Okay, another common way to read it is prescriptive. That the poem has been read um, by many as prescriptive, and specifically prescriptive for women. Prescribing how women need to be the Proverbs 31 woman this may not be the best way to read the poem either. Uh, In her book, A Year of Biblical Womanhood, Rachel Held Evans took it upon herself to find out if reading this poem prescriptively and other parts of the Bible pertaining to women was possible or helpful. And uh, this is what she said. I hope you enjoy this quote. She said this, In the evangelical Christian subculture, there are three people a girl's got to know before she gets her period. Jesus, Ronald Reagan, and the Proverbs 31 woman. (laughs) While the first two are thought to embody God's ideal for all mankind, the third is thought to represent God's ideal for women. Wander into any Christian women's conference, and you will hear her name whispered around the coffee bar and lauded from the speaker's podium. Visit a Christian bookstore, and you will find entire women's sections devoted to books that extol her virtues, and make them applicable to modern wives. At my Christian college, guys described their ideal date as a P31 girl. <laughs> and young women looking to please them held a P31 Bible study in my dormitory lounge at 11 p.m. on Mondays. She's like the evangelicals Mary, venerated, idealized, glorified to the level of demigoddess, and yet expected to show up in every man's kitchen at dinnertime. Only unlike Mary there is no indication that the Proverbs 31 woman actually existed. A basic level of research on the book of Proverbs will show us Proverbs 31 was never meant to be turned into a to-do list but like so much of the Bible we have turned a love letter into a to-do list. And it has destroyed any sense of confidence in so many of God's beloved, precious souls, his people. Because most of us walk around feeling like we are failing on a to-do list all the time. So when I'm at work, I feel guilty I'm not at home. And when I'm at home, I feel guilty that I'm not at work. So many of us live with this guilty sense all the time. This feeling that I'm disappointing someone. And all too often, we imagine that someone to be God. So if Proverbs 31 represents a prescriptive ideal for women, for people, in general, then most of us will walk through life unable to shake a feeling that if these are the accomplishments of a competent, capable, virtuous, valiant, worthy woman, I certainly don't measure up. So to review, descriptive reading, is like, if I get that prize, if I just get that right podcast downloaded, I'm going to have wisdom. Prescriptive is, if I just do these ideal behaviors, if I just live out these virtues, I will have wisdom. Descriptive, prescriptive. If these are not ideal readings, what might be a more helpful way to read this poem? Well, we've been in the book of Proverbs for the entire month, and looking back on where we've come from, looking back at the entire book of Proverbs, especially the beginning chapters, 1 through 9, we remember that wisdom is personified by Lady Wisdom. And here in Proverbs 31, divine wisdom is being portrayed as a woman worth marrying. So perhaps a more helpful way to read the poem is as a final point to a book that has been saying this exact same thing the whole way through. The book has been saying the whole way through, pursue wisdom with your whole life. Another way to say it would be, wed yourself to wisdom. Don't be fooled that wisdom will be found in the next product. Don't be fooled into thinking that wisdom will come just by gutting it out through the right behaviors. May your whole life be wed to wisdom. And who is wisdom? Who is Lady Wisdom? God's Holy Spirit who resides in you. So at any given moment, God's presence is not in a product that you don't have yet. God's presence is not in a perfect moral life you haven't developed yet. God's wisdom is available in the present. God's presence is in the present wed yourself to wisdom pursue wisdom with your entire life now this is not the only time in the ancient scriptures where we see our relationship to god described using marriage language in second corinthians uh, chapter 11 paul uses the imagery of marriage to describe our relationship to christ and in this passage Paul is writing and he fears that the people he's writing to, the Corinthians, that they're not as devoted in their connection to God as he had hoped. And he says to them these words, I hope you'll put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Proverbs warns of essentially the same thing that Paul is warning of. Proverbs is a book of sayings imploring us to wed ourselves to the wisdom of God and warning, of, warning us of what will happen if we let that relationship fade. So what does it mean to wed ourselves to wisdom? To wed, to be wed to someone is really to allow them to shape and to mold you into a new type of person. I'm a new creation. We just sing. I'm forever changed. Because I've allowed you, God, to mold me and shape me and change me, essential and core. To the gospel is transformation new birth new life metamorphosis to be wed to someone is to allow them to shape and mold you into a new type of person that's why our relationship with christ is described in marriage language and it's why proverbs describes divine wisdom in marriage language I think sometimes when we talk um, about being wed to wisdom, for example, some people might think, oh, she's just talking about one hour on Sundays, like commit yourself to come to worship. That would miss the point entirely. One commentator says this about Proverbs. For Proverbs, there is no sacred, secular split all of human life in action is to be manifest reverence and obedience to God and show harmony with his cosmic order all of human life. Becoming wed to wisdom is about allowing the presence of God to encroach on every aspect of life. To seek wisdom like that, it's like courting someone you have fallen in love with. Supporting them. You know, where everything else seems to fall away and nothing else in the world matters in that moment. Wedding ourselves to wisdom. You're my breath. You're my life. You're my everything. Uh, In his book, The Wisdom of Each Other, Eugene Peterson says this you can see now from my comments that my gut feeling is that the most mature and reliable Christian guidance and understanding comes out of the most immediate and local of settings, the ordinary way. We have to break this cultural habit of sending out for an expert every time we feel we need some assistance. Wisdom is not a matter of expertise. Wisdom is not found in a product, that next podcast, that next seminar, that next conference. Wisdom is found in a person. Peterson here, Eugene Peterson, he is saying the same thing that Proverbs 31 poem is saying. Wisdom is gained through devotion and relationship. Wedding oneself to wisdom is recognizing that knowledge of the divine does not come through the next product. It doesn't come through systems. It it comes from commitment and love. It's not found in the object, like the wife or the podcast or the next best thing. It is not found in the behavior, the virtue, living perfectly. Wisdom is found in the desire for wisdom. Wisdom is a person personified as Lady Wisdom. When you seek her, you will find her when you seek her with all your heart. So the emphasis of Proverbs 31 poem is this desire to wed oneself to wisdom, to the incomparable wisdom of God because really the gospel the gospel is not about products it's not even about behavior it's about the motive of the heart and the depths of your desire for God and the depths of God's desire for you so which way do you view wisdom when you think about it this way do you put most emphasis on finding wisdom through some product? Do you put most emphasis on finding wisdom through certain behavior? Do you put most emphasis on finding wisdom through the desire to find wisdom found in God whose presence is always present with you? Just to wrap up this whole series, I want you to hear from Carol Schmidt via video, who is a part of our faith community. She has shared some of her story. And the reason I'd like to conclude the series with this is because if wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we have to acknowledge a lot of times we find ourselves in circumstances we do not want, we would not choose. And a lot of times I think we think, if I can just change these circumstances, but wisdom is the art of living skillfully whatever circumstances I find myself in. Because I'm wed to wisdom, found in God's presence, Can never be taken from me. Is not limited to this space. Being wed to wisdom is, I hold the hand of the one who's defeated a far greater foe than anything I'm facing today. And his presence is present with me. So my wisdom isn't found in the next best product. It's not found in getting a perfect life Together, but to listening to the voice of the one who is always says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and learning to hear his voice day in and day out. So uh, I want you to hear from Carol, uh, and uh, this is Carol. Let's take a look. <laughs>
1: My life motto right now uh, is to love well, to let go, and to leave room for God. I'm Carol Schmidt, and uh, I do a lot around here because I love it here. Uh, Always, I love to be interacting with the people here. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I grew up with an alcoholic mother, and um, I think my dad coped with that by just hiding at work. And when he was home, he was angry. Um, So I grew up having some maternal responsibilities with my three brothers and lacking a feeling of love and belonging. So when I was 17, Jesus came to me and met me at that point of need. Um, It wasn't anything dramatic, but a friend gave me a Bible and I encountered Jesus. I knew that he loved me, and I knew that I was on a new path for that sense of love and belonging being found in him. Uh, but as time went on, I started to understand the role of struggle. That struggle is opportunity. Uh, not something I really wanted to learn, but I have to say that every good thing that has happened in my life has been a result of struggle. One of the first struggles that I had was when I was 30. I was an emergency room nurse at Swedish Hospital, and I had just started my shift. It was November 12, 1990, and we had a call over the radio that a helicopter was bringing in a critically injured patient, a man in his 20s who was on a bike and hit by a car. So I went up to the helipad, and I opened the door of the helicopter, and saw a critically injured, uh, severely head injured, man who was intubated and oddly enough, I recognized his watch. It was a very unique European watch. And I, at that moment, I just remember yelling over the, the roar of the rotors, oh my God, that's my husband. Um, he was an Olympic cyclist uh, on the Great, uh, Great Britain's team in the 1984 Olympics and he had been riding his bike home from work when um, an elderly woman in our neighborhood either passed out at the wheel or was blinded by the sun coming around a corner. So he was in a coma for about two days and we went from talking about rehabilitation at Craig Hospital to talking about organ donation in a matter of four hours. So I let him go. I, I realized that I wanted to have control of peace and grace and all those things but instead I encountered God's um, unfailing love his rock-solid faithfulness and his all-sufficient grace at the moment of need and I didn't have it before I didn't it wasn't in the bank earning interest I couldn't withdraw it when I needed it but it was there he was there for me I went on to remarry and my husband and I had a son with autism, and that, that struggle uh, has been going on for 23 years now. Um, beautiful, beautiful opportunity for me to experience God's love, um, God's love in me, God's love through me, and I guess I've just grown, and I don't want to miss the opportunities that struggle brings. The only thing that counts is faith ex- expressing itself through love is what Paul says in Galatians and as a sort of hardcore trauma nurse uh, that wasn't in my skill set my skill set was saving lives you know not really knowing caring about the actual person that I was dealing with and now moving to a completely different stage of life where um, it's all about relationship and it's all about love it's an adventure that I'm thoroughly enjoying
0: To me, it's such a picture of wisdom, the art of living skillfully in whatever circumstances, whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. Let's pray together as we close. Out of all the practices in our lives, the most holy and necessary practice is your presence. And you are always present. It is we who are so often absent. May we practice your presence in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.